Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. It's Ayers on the Road, and we're on the road to Christmas right now. Um, we are excited to have another family that's moved back to close to where we live, which is fantastic. Out of nine children, we've had one that's lived close to us. And now, suddenly, two more have moved back. We're up to three. We're, we're a third of the way there. We are, and we're up to half of our grandchildren. We have 15 grandchildren living close to us, which is, yikes, now we've got to feed them. You know, Linda, <laughs> somebody told, said to me the other day, a listener said, you know, you guys have got to announce what the title of the show is earlier in the show. He said, you just beat around the bush for about 10 minutes, and I don't even know what the show's about until you're almost done with the first segment. <laughs> so we're going to repent of that. Today's show has a pretty big title, The Highs and Lows of Extended Family at Christmas. Highs and Lows. I bet that brings a lot of things into people's minds. <laughs> but before we get to that topic, or as we lead into that topic, let us just say this is kind of a propitious day for us because this is, as near as we can count, the 250th show that we've done on BYU Radio. It just blows my mind. I started going back through the index. And by the way, this is a, a little plug for the BYURadio.org website because it's great. You can go there and you can click on any of the shows that are on BYU Radio and it will list all the shows all the way back. And it goes back, in our case, to July 13th, 2011. We were youngsters then. I mean, we didn't even know anything then. How did I, we do I remember show? that day. <laughs> we were up at the lighthouse at Bear Lake and wondering if the connection was good or not. And we have done this show in the wildest places. I mean, it really is on the road, sometimes at the airport, going through security. It, oh, I listened to a few crazy. the other day. I was, well, while I was clicking through, Linda, I listened to a few of them. And the first one I clicked on, I was riding on a horse. And you were at home, and we were hooked in by two different lines. And and then I listened to another one, and we were in the JFK airport, and there was planes taking off. <laughs> was, I know the engineers must be driven crazy by the fact that we've done this show on the phone from so many different places. Literally on the road Sometimes or in the, the air. The yeah. sound quality may be not so good. But on, on the other hand, I think that may be why we have the name we do, right? Ayers on the Road. We just we do it on Saturday. We do it from wherever we are. We're undeterred. And so it's kind of nice on a day like today that we're just sitting here at home and haven't got our hair combed yet or anything. But Ooh, you uh, look really scary. I'm so <laughs> glad this is not TV. <laughs> and Christmas coming up. Isn't that a great thing? Just to think about that coming up before too long and all of us doing our preparations and I know Christmas is a good time for most of us, also a hard time for some people, and that's why we thought today it would be interesting to talk about the, the highs and lows of family Christmas, especially extended family, expanded family. And we're going to go pretty far with that word expanded today because one of the things we've been working on lately is um, getting more ancestor stories to teach our children about where they came from, what their genealogy is, who their great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was, where he lived, and all those things. So, you know, when you say family, 
we're probably talking about something pretty extended. Well, you know, highs and lows is a loaded word, too, because, you know, it's not all, um, what is it called, peaches and light? What is it? Um, peaches and cream. Peaches and cream. Um, <laughs> sweetness and light. Sweetness and light. Um, it really is. Uh, there are some difficult relationships, and Christmas sometimes can bring us closer and sometimes complicate things. Yeah. So, um, well, it makes you aware, right? Christmas makes you sort of, in some cases, painfully aware of all your family relationships. And I don't think I've ever met anyone who says, oh, I'm just 100% satisfied with all my relationships with all my family, all my cousins, all my aunts and uncles, all my siblings. We're all close. We're all perfect. If I ever do meet a person like that, I think it'll be a liar. <laughs> <laughs> there, when you think about um, how far your family really extends, not just your own immediate family, but um, all the aunts and uncles and uh, people who we've done a lot of research this last year on on ancestors and people who have been wronged by other people and have been or been sick most of their lives and are grumpy and you know it really is interesting because everybody has a different life experience and if they're related to you it affects you well and if you're getting together for Christmas as so many families do that's what makes it so wonderful but it's also what makes it so touchy sometimes I mean Maybe there's someone there that your last conversation with them wasn't too great, or there's someone that where there's a problem that's ongoing or a, uh, a resentment of some kind or whatever. So I guess, I guess we're hoping that for most of us, this Christmas is a time of reconciliation as well as a time of celebration where you need it. I mean, we went yesterday up to my hometown up in Logan, Utah to bring some gifts to my siblings. One of which I, I, I wish I had a better relationship with and we're working on it, but it's hard to know how to work on it. And I guess the bottom line is families are never simple. They're always complicated and nuanced, but they're the thing that matters. I mean, another point I wanted to make, Linda, we've, you know, as I was thinking the other day going through these older shows, we have been um, involved in speaking and writing to parents for over 30 years now and we've traveled to a hundred countries and and presented or spoken to parents in in about half of those roughly 50 countries and the interesting thing is that with all the diversity i mean whether you're in a third world country whether you're in an asian country whether you're in a industrialized country in europe wherever you are in the world the one thing and I really think this this statement would hold up the one thing that is consistent in terms of people's emotions, in terms of people's feelings, is their connection and love to their family. That's that's the thing that unites human beings everywhere. You can have a completely different political, economic, environmental circumstance, completely opposite of someone else. But the thing that would make you similar is this love and connection to family and and that shows up on public opinion polls anywhere in the world when there's a public opinion poll asking what's the most important thing in your life people say family now do we always live like that do we always walk our talk maybe not but boy the heart is there and that's why christmas becomes this time 
of family and of emotions, both positive and negative. And you may think because we are, we talk so much about family and so on that we have these perfect families and have nuclear families that have not been disturbed by other issues and so on. And uh, actually you have a more simple family because you had two parents, but one of them died when you were 15, your father and uh, four other siblings. I have parents who my mother was 38 when she married my father, who was 50, 52, 52, 51. 51. And, um, he had been married before his wife who died of cancer. He had two children by that marriage. Then, um, I hope this is sounding familiar to some of you. So I had a half, a half brother and half sister, a half sister died of cancer. The half brother was an alcoholic who had two children. And actually this year we, my sister and I, and we ended up uh, having two children. My parents married elder, as I said, and then uh, they figured they could never have a child. So they adopted a little boy at five, five years old and um, who had already been damaged a lot. And um, then she, when hope was lost, she got pregnant with me and had me at 41 and my sister at 42. We're 12 months and two weeks apart. So we are so lucky to have each other. But You're lucky to be here. I'm, I'm lucky to, that you made it uh, yeah. down into mortality. I think some days you The were. odds were against you. Well, that's true. But a very complicated family. But this year, my sister and I decided that we were going to go find these two little girls of a brother who was... Uh, so much older than me that we never lived in the same house or anything. Um, and we went to. Did you I, ever even met him before? Oh yes, well, I mean, back we knew him when, they, yeah, when, when we you were, were kids child, and so yeah. on. But you hadn't seen him for like <clears throat> decades. Um, exactly, yeah. and w- which is a sad story because he had just moved away, and it, it, not that we were estranged, it's just that we lost track of them. Because he had several other wives and other children, too, which we still have to go after. But it really was yeah, so. There, there's the added complicated factor. I mean, are some of you feeling like this is familiar in your family or this <laughs> is totally wives. strange? Um, but it really has been the highlight of my year to reconnect with these two little girls who are now 60 and 62. And they are the sweetest things. They are taking care of each other in Idaho Falls, Idaho, and we had the best day with them. And well, it reminds me of how, you know, when we were in, in the Arab world, in, in the Muslim world, where, where polygamy is part of their culture still, we think our families are complicated. Right. <laughs> they're, well, they're pretty similar to some of our families if you go back a few generations. But uh, I guess the bottom line is, you know what the bottom line is, Linda? It's a cliche. Blood is thicker than water. Yeah. It turns out that that's really true. It turns out there is this feeling of family. And I don't know if science will ever prove that there actually is some kind of common blood that runs through the veins of those who are related to each other or a gene somewhere that connects us or, or whether it's just a spiritual mental feeling that, uh, this person's a relative of mine. He's, he's therefore more important in the long run to me, more connected to me than a good friend or whatever. Because I may not see him as much, but there's a connection there. And it's those connections that sort of come to light 
at Christmas time. And it, and it can be a wonderful thing, but the point is we have to work at it to make it a wonderful thing. It's not always easy. It's not always natural. Right. And in fact, we to find these two girls who are now women, um, if you count 60 and 62 women. I'd, I'd say they're women. Um, they, uh, one is a nurse. She was able to go back to school because her sister, who was um, struggled with fetal alcohol syndrome her whole life. She's the sweetest child. Uh, she feels like a child even now, but she's taking care of her sister and has taken care of her children so she could go back to school and get her degree. And now she's living on her own, but honestly, she is the sweetest person, and I am so grateful to be connected to her. I mean, that was my real high this year, as far Any, as anytime you're, Yeah, anytime you reestablish a family connection, and often Christmas is the time to do it. And you know, sometimes all it takes, Linda, is a humble attitude. I've, I was talking to a guy the other day, he said, you know, I've had this thing with my sister for years, and we just, we've just sort of agreed to disagree and pulled apart from each other and so on. And he said, I just decided I was going to quit worrying about whose fault it was. And I was just going to say, I'm sorry. I love you. Let's, let's get back together. No strings attached, no guilt. No, let's just, let's just, rem I, I think the bottom line was let's remember that family and relationships are more important than some of these petty things that have gone on between us. And Sometimes Christmas is the time to do that. And before we go to break, I want to say, too, you know, we've been working with some refugee families. I know a lot of a lot of people at Christmas turn to try to find those who really need help, whether it's orphans or or homeless people or, or refugees. And there's so many refugees now in the world. And and that that becomes another kind of outreach. And sometimes teaming up with other family members to help someone is the best way to repair a family relationship, don't you think? I do think. In fact, next week we'll have a good story for you because our assignment from our church congregation is to uh, connect with some of these refugee families from Burma. In this case, from Burma. Uh, they're the Karen people, and um, many of them are Buddhist, but some of them have converted to the LDS church, some have not. But we and we have a family who have not, and we're excited, so excited to go and take them a little Christmas cheer and introduce them to the it's world like of Christmas. We're, yeah, we're going, to, we're going to explain what Christmas is to people who don't have that in their tradition. So right. We're out of time for the first half of the show, so let's take a brief break, and when we come back, let's expand the idea of extended families even a little further. We'll be right back. And we're back, Ayers on the Road, talking about family at Christmas. Not only the happy, positive things of gathering together, having the nativity. We have so many traditions at Christmas. Isn't it a wonderful thing? One of the things we do and have done ever since our children were little is a, is a, we call it a Jerusalem Supper. And we, we, we get into it. We like play the roles of Mary's family, and she's about to leave the next day on a donkey with Joseph to go all the way up to Bethlehem, and we're worried about her, and is the donkey okay, and how far is it? It's 100 miles. Are they going to be able to make it? And everyone plays a role, and we 
We eat only food that could be eaten in those days, unleavened bread and fish and figs and dates. And well, now we have grape a, juice. We have an upgrade because we have a daughter who's just moved in. And every, all of our families have done this. You know how traditions go. They have done this in their own way, in their own home, and they send us pictures on Instagram and so on. But um, they, several of our kids have been in the Holy Land in Jerusalem and Bethlehem and Nazareth. And so um, they've added their own touch. And actually, one daughter just loves falafel. I'm not sure they had falafel <laughs> in those days, but they make it from they scratch. They sure have it now in Jerusalem. And right? we really should call it a Nazareth supper because it's about Mary's fam- Mary and her parents and her family before she leaves with Joseph, who's sitting by her side. It is so fun to kind of just dive into role playing uh, just for a few minutes and candlelight and think about what it would have been like in those it's days. It's part of our, and we're going to talk a little more about this next week on the show, the one that's right before Christmas, but it's part of our sort of capitulation to, I mean, for you, so many years we worried so much, as a lot of families do, about how to integrate the sort of commercial Christmas of Santa Claus and gifts and getting and shopping and indulgence and eating and all the rest with the spiritual side of Christmas of Jesus's birth and so on. And, and actually we kind of gave up on integrating them. We, we ended up separating them. The idea that Christmas Eve is just about Jesus, just about the nativity, just about this supper where we, reenact what happened and so on and just about kids giving giving, gifts to each other so all the focus is on the giver then that sort of gives us license to just let our guard down and go crazy the next morning with santa claus (laughs) but that's not what we're talking about today in fact what i started out to say linda is that this this show this particular iris on the road is is not so much about all the joyful parts of of Christmas, but also the hard parts and the relationships that may need repair and so on, and and kind of an expanded view of what family is. One of the things we always say is that it's, it's unfortunate that Americans tend to define family as a nuclear family, as parents and kids. I mean, that's just what we, most Americans, when they say family, that's what they mean. Not true in so many parts of the world. Family means three generations or four generations who live together. And in many cases, it means extending back further. And we've, we've seen a movie this week that, did we mention last week, that the movie Coco, uh, the cartoon animated movie Coco is one of the best family connecting movies we've ever seen. It's absolutely brilliant. We were just overjoyed when we sat through that. I mean, the animation's wonderful. Uh, the writing is great, but man, how it connects families in from a different culture. I mean, it's, it's all about the Latin culture. It's about and the day of the dead. Which day is, of the dead, yeah. Which we've experienced a few times in Latin America. And and it's not only in Latin America, actually. I mean, they do the skeleton things. But we uh, called one time to the Philippines, who we have friends there. Yeah, yeah. And on Halloween, he said, oh, we're just and we're in the cemetery. We're having a picnic. We're right here by the, our ancestors. We're so excited. It really is an amazing movie that pulls a lot of things together. Well, the great thing about it, of course, is it it does what we're trying to do on this show today. It expands the meaning of extended family beyond this earth. It expands it backwards. And 
in the tradition uh, among among on the Day of the Dead holiday, where if you if you fail to put out the picture of your ancestor, then that ancestor can't come back on the day of the, on that day, that special day when when they're supposed to revisit the earth and revisit their family as spirits. Well, on the picture represented remembrance. That right. You yeah. can remember them if and you, you remember see their them. picture. So it's a powerful thing, but that's where I was going with this discussion, Linda, that, that you know, just, just as we get a feeling of blood thicker than water when we think about our family and even our extended family, even uncles, aunts, great aunts, great uncles, cousins twice removed and that whole business, we're all connected somehow through families. And the beautiful thing about the LDS culture and about more and more of the world culture now is the growing orientation to the the need to seek out and, and find family members who have passed on. I mean, it's been a part of our culture for such a long time. And, you know, people, even when we're in some far-flung part of the earth, someone will say, oh, yeah, you Mormons, you're the ones who, don't you have that vault in the mountain and you keep records of people and, and all that? And, you know, I remember... Uh, many years ago, that seemed to many people like a really weird thing. Now, more and more, it seems like, wow, how do we get access to that? Because we know that connecting to those who went before us gives us an identity, a resilience. We want to teach it to our children. We want them to know what their identity is and so on. And and I, I don't know what you think of this, Linda, but I think, uh, you know, some people in the Mormon church call it the spirit of Elijah the spirit of, of uniting families and so on. And there's reasons for that name. But I think the same feeling you feel at Christmas when you're with your extended family and something just tells you that blood is thicker than water, there's connections here that matter. I think that same feeling comes in a little different form when you're on the computer and you find your eighth great-grandfather who was born in... Edinburgh, Scotland in, in 1617, and you, you, you look at a little chart that shows eight little boxes, and you're in the bottom box, and this grandfather, John Gordon, who I was working on yesterday, is in the top box, and there's a direct line, and there's only seven people between you and him, and he's, he's your grandfather. And he lived in, in Edinburgh in 1617, and, and there's a connection, you know? You know, it really is kind of exciting when we do this. And, and obviously, uh, Family Search does a fabulous job of connecting ancestors and so on. But now with Ancestry also, Ancestry.com, who would have thought, you know, 20 years ago that the advertisement on TV every time you open the uh, TV is about Ancestry.com and Finding 20, your answer. 23 and me. 23 and me. Connecting your DNA. DNA. It is such an amazing uh, thing that's happened. And actually an ancestor popped up on my computer the other day. Her day and her name was Mayday. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> now is there a hidden meaning here? That's a message. Mayday. That's a message. You better look at me because this is a Mayday. Um, Mayday. Mayday. I didn't even know day was in your I didn't either. But anyway, genealogy. it's an exciting time to live just because we can get so connected. Now listen, we're not experts, but I will tell you that I'm looking at my phone right now and 
my two favorite websites right now happen to be Family Tree and Take a Name. And when I go on the Family Tree, I mean, there it is on my phone. There's my there's my family tree, and they've all got pictures on them, and I can click, and I can go back and back and back and back and back, and I can see these people, and it's it's pretty amazing. And then when I go on my newest favorite one, you know, take a name. You got to try that if you haven't. Take a name. It it now I'm looking at it. It's searched. On its own, all I did is push a button that searched 67,720 names, and it came up with 72 of those that still need some of what we call temple work done, where we do ordinances and, and other things for those who have passed on within our church. But whether you're a Mormon or not, whether, you, whether you're interested in connecting to people in that way, or whether you're just wanting to know where did I really come from? You know, uh, 23andMe and these other sites are making a fortune by selling people simple DNA tests that tell them what their, uh, what their ancestry is. And that's pretty interesting for people who are just getting into this, just beginning. But when you go beyond that and you start not only finding where these people lived, but when they lived, what the village was, one of the most interesting forms of travel you can do, and we've done this a few times with our children, is go back to these villages where these people lived and try to, and, and the interesting thing is some of the villages are in parts of the world where not much has changed. You know what? We did this a, a couple of years ago. Our daughter moved to London and we went, the first time we visited her there, we went to a little village called Bath Easton and um, it is right by Bath in uh, England. And honestly, south, of England. south yeah. of England, on the way, we, we figured out where she lived and so on. On the way, we were so um, worried that it was going to be a big old metropolis by now. And we went through this little <laughs> tiny, remember that little tiny lane with, you know, these big um, uh, sides to it, which if you, we, we met somebody on the road, we you would have, have had to back up, up for yeah. a mile, mile and a half. Anyway, we got there and it was so charming. It was exactly what we were looking for. Um, we, there is an old monastery there that was obviously there when they were there. We had some lunch. And then I went home and did some research on this woman, this grandmother that came from there. She's great, great, maybe great grandmother. This woman had 13 children. And 10 of them died before she did. Imagine that. I mean, it just took my breath away when I was standing there where she was from she lost some of them in childhood, but some of them in young adults. And then um, her husband, she joined the Mormon church. Her husband never joined. So she took five children with her and immigrated uh, on the way across the plains. Her 20-year-old and 18-year-old daughters died. We don't know why. Well, it's just the idea that you're not, it's not just like some thrilling novel. Oh, it's, oh my it's, gosh. It's, I, like, it's like a connection. It, it's so amazing. Then, then she gets to Bloomington, Idaho, where uh, my ancestors are from and settled that area. And uh, her daughter, who had four little children, died, and she had to take care of the four children. And then a son, who was 21 years old, was wrestling down at the bottom of the cemetery hill with a cousin, and the uh, cousin accidentally broke his neck. It's and incredible. The, I mean, the it, feelings that come. Oh to you my gosh! You so, just think, and then when you know, know that story, you just think, if they could do that, yeah, I can I, do anything. I can do it. Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah, it's it's like. 
It's a, it's a kind of a wonderful, you know, I'm trying to put a word on it, Linda. It's a feeling of humility that you get realizing that you're a little part of something so big and so vast and that goes back so far with this family. So I guess our message today or our thought is as we approach Christmas, let's think of it in its family sense as much as we can. Maybe we can make this Christmas a time of family reconciliation, family commitment, family connection. And any time we spend, any effort we spend on doing that is time well spent. Yeah, absolutely. We know you, you're going to have a great time with your family, but that's our challenge for this week. And we'll see you again next week on Ayers on the Road. And we'll tune in on some practical family Christmas ideas next week. So have a good week and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 